Let's jump right into this. I want to read our opening text. This is our scripture that really uh, is, is the common scripture for the entire series on called. And it comes out of Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Let's look at it together. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then verse 19. It says, Then Jesus, he said to them, follow me and I will make you, and then there's a blank right there. Left it blank, not that there's a blank in your Bible. If you're looking at it and say, no, man, I got the words filled in in my Bible. No, this is for us because if you were here last week, you already know what goes in the blanks, or maybe you've just read your Bible enough to where you remember what goes in the blanks, but for others, maybe you're newer to this, and, and so you're, you're kind of left hanging a little bit on, follow Jesus, and Jesus will make you what? what? What would you think? Make you more holy? Uh, follow Jesus and he will help you to uh, be on better behavior. Follow Jesus and, and uh, he'll require you to go to church more, read your Bible more. Like, if we're going to answer this and fill in the blank, what would it be? Jesus will make you what if you follow him? Well, let's look at verse 19 and let's fill it in. Jesus said to them, follow me. And I will make you, say it with me, fishers of men. That's what he wants us to do. Jesus himself left the splendor and the glory of heaven. He came to this sin-cursed world. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. In other words, he came because he wanted relationship with every single one of us. And for those of us that have decided to follow Jesus, he said, now I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm just curious, by a show of hands, how many of you say you like to fish? Anybody like to fish? Just wave at me if you enjoy fishing. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm waving my hand right now just to get you to wave your hand because I don't like to fish. All right, I'm putting my hand down right now. I wanted to like to fish. I tried to like to fish because my grandfather was an amazing fisherman. My dad loves to fish. He's great at fishing. Both of my brothers love to fish. Uh, my nephews, uh, Ryan and, and Weston, they're great at fishing. They're naturals. Me? Never happened like that. As a little boy, I'd be out in the boat with my grandfather, and, and no matter where I would throw my line, I would get hung. I mean, I feel like I could fish in a bathtub, and I'd still find a stick or a branch or something to get my hook hung on. And if I wasn't getting hung, I was getting sunburned. If I wasn't getting sunburned, I was getting eaten up by mosquitoes. It just never went well for me when I would go fishing. You know something I discovered? Is when you're not good at something, you don't enjoy doing it. Matter of fact, when you're not good at something, you try and do as little of that as possible. And there are some people, when we read this passage on Jesus wants you to be a fisher of man, you're like, I'm out. Here comes another sermon to remind me of how lousy I am at sharing my faith. Here comes another message to make me feel guilty about not doing a better job of, of telling more people about Jesus. But can I just tell you today that this message is not meant to beat you up or to discourage you, but instead to equip you on how to be better at doing what you were born to do, what you're called to do, and none of us can choose whether or not we're going to sign up to it. If you're following Jesus, he says, you're going to be a fisher of men. It's just a lot more fun when you do it well. Can you say amen to that? 
So we're going to look at how to do that, and really we're going to, it's going to be so simple, so straightforward, because we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul had to say about this in the, in the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 4. Now before I read the text that we're going to learn from, let me just tell you the verses that are leading up to this in the context in which Paul was writing. He's writing from a jail cell where he is in change because of telling people about Jesus. And yet, although he is in jail for telling people about Jesus, he asked the church of the Colossians to pray for him. He's writing this letter to the Colossians. And he's writing and he says, hey, when you pray, pray for me. And he said, when you pray for me, pray that I might be bold and fearless as I tell people about Jesus. He said, pray that the doors of opportunity would open up so that I could and that I would do it clearly. So here you have the Apostle Paul saying, hey, pray that I would get some chances to talk about Jesus, and then when I do, that I wouldn't fumble it and mess it up. How many guys know that if the Apostle Paul was asking for prayer, that you really need some prayer on how you're going to share your faith? So Paul's saying, pray for me, but as if as he's asking for prayer, he then wants to invest something into us. And so he breaks it down and makes this very, very clear on how to not fumble it when sharing your faith. Look at it, Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. He says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Let's pause right there for just a moment. Let's do number one here. If you're taking notes, I hope that you are. You can write this first point down. Paul says, be wise with your relationships. Be wise with your relationships. Now, Paul specifically said, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Don't misunderstand that it's not like you got outsiders and insiders in terms of you've got uh, uh, the in crowd and the out crowd. All right, this is not, you got the cool group and the uncool group. You got those that it's happening for and those that, no, he's saying this is the outside would be those who are outside of the faith or outside of a relationship with Jesus because how many guys know that you can have down and outers and you can have up and outers? You can have people, life is just going really, really hard for them and they're away from Jesus and you have others, they feel like they've got everything the world has to offer, but they don't have Jesus. They're outside of faith with Jesus. So Paul says, be wise in how you act towards those who are outside of the faith. I got to tell you guys a story. I got my, 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 my little champ, my buddy Jordan, he's three years old now, so we figured it was time to sign him up for basketball. Three years old. So, uh, so we signed him up, and, and I mean, it just, he just, well, I got a picture. I'll just show you. Here's a picture of Jordan. This is on picture day right there. Uh, don't be judging his hairdo. That was my bad right there. I was working on it. Uh, my wife, Casey, rebuked me severely. She's like, could you not brush his hair? I, I tried. I tried to brush his hair. But anyway, there it is for his picture right there. And the photographer's trying to get him to warm up, you know, smile a little bit because he's just standing there holding his basketball, you know, like that. And so she's trying to interact. She said, hey, who's your favorite superhero? And he raised his hand and said, I am. I was like, I like that answer right there. Yeah, that man knows who he is because give him a ball and get out on that court. Superhero time. Here it comes. And so, you know what? It came time for game time. I had, I had the daddy cam going on, you know, and, and he find, they were going to throw the ball into George. So they threw the ball into him. I said, like, here it goes. Yeah, buddy, you got it. Man, I was zoomed in on it, and he took it, and he threw it down and started walking down the court. 
he'd go up to a line and he'd jump over the line and he'd go to another one, jump over the line. All he wanted to do was play hopscotch all over the court. You know how embarrassing that was? Then he'd turn around and wave at my wife. I said, don't you wave back at him, uh-uh. Focus! It's embarrassing, y'all. You know something else I noticed now I'm going to these games, and especially as the kids get a little bit older, I've noticed that, that parents go crazy at these games. Like, for real. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? They go crazy. You're like, dude, he's eight years old. Relax. But they're hollering at the referee. Are you blind? What game are you watching? You know, calling out to the referee. Screaming at the players, start screaming at the other team like they have lost their mind. Screaming at the other team. And, and they'll start calling out to some kid on the other team. Number 15, get off of him. This isn't football. I'm like, do you know that number 15's mom is sitting right next to you? It's just crazy. And, and then sometimes I'm like, and I know you. You're a churchgoer. You say that you love Jesus, and now you acted like you lost your mind over an eight-year-old basketball game. Now just picture, how's this going to play out? They're screaming, they're hollering, get off of him, I can't believe you, oh, the ref needs to have glasses, oh, and then after the game's over, like, hey, I'd like to invite you to Easter Sunday at People's Church. Come be my guest. Sit next to me. It'll be as much fun as sitting next to me at this game. But they're like, no. <laughs> I think that Paul is going, hey, pray for me that, that doors would open. And then pray that I'd walk through them and fearlessly and clearly presented. And it's almost like he stops and goes, hey, be smart in how you act towards those who are outside of the faith. He says, use wisdom. Be smart. In other words, don't get distracted by stuff in this world that's not important. It's okay to go to a game. It's okay to, to cheer. It's okay to be excited about it. Just don't be crazy. Don't lose your mind and start acting unwisely and, and, and separate and distance yourself from the very people that God has called us to reach. Some of you go to work and there's somebody at work that just drives you crazy. You, every, every office has somebody like that. And if you don't know who we're talking about, it's probably you. All right. So anyway, you know, everybody at their office, there's just somebody who, oh, anybody have somebody at your office that always tells jokes, they think they're so funny and it's not funny. Anybody have anybody at work like that? Anybody have at work, somebody at work that they just whistle all day long, just whistle. You're like, come on, Andy Griffith, back off, man. I can't take any more of that whistling. And some people, they, they, they bring their food all up in the office, you know, and the, the, whole, the whole office now just stinks, you know, and yeah, I can see some of y'all just like, he's a prophet. No, I know what's up. I know how this works. Some, and some of them, they just, they're, they're always negative, uh, always, and here's what can happen, is that we can go there and we can lose sight of why God has even sent us there, because God has sent you there to be a fisher of men. And here's what I've discovered is that people who are without Jesus act an awful lot like people who are without Jesus. And so instead of me going and be offended and bothered 
by the way somebody who's without Jesus is acting, what if instead of being bothered, I was burdened? What if instead I started going, wait a minute, hurt people, hurt people? So people are lashing out is because they've been hurt. They're carrying brokenness. They are wounded. And so instead of me going and getting offended or getting bothered, what if I started trying to build a bridge to their hearts? You know, one of the most spiritual things that you could do tomorrow morning at work, show up with a box of donuts. I mean, that's one of the most spiritual things that you can do. It's just be a giver, be a generous person. Just walk in and bless somebody. Uh, go in and build a bridge to a heart. Instead of uh, some line of, of sarcasm back or instead of joining in the gossip pool about somebody else, go and speak life and bring life. What is Paul saying? He's just saying be smart, be wise, use wisdom. Show up with somebody's favorite Starbucks in Jesus' name and just build a bridge to their hearts. Then he gives us a second thing, number two, and it's this. He says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. And look at this part. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of, say it with me, every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Why? Because we're surrounded by opportunities every single day. But a lot of times we're not even aware of it. And we're certainly not making the most of it. We're not even aware of it. But, but what we have to understand is that, that Paul is saying, you don't just go through life waiting to be in heaven, but you go through life knowing that you are on assignment from the king. He says, if you follow me, you are going to be a fisher of men. It's what you're called to do. It's what you are created to do is bring people to Jesus. So don't lose your focus. Don't think one day I'm going to go on one of those mission trips and I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. One day I'm going to help out and serve in one of our outreaches and community events so I can show the love of Jesus. You don't wait for some event. You're surrounded by them. I'm surrounded by opportunities every single day. And I learned something here from Paul because when Paul says, I'm praying that I would have divine appointments or opportunities, I, I, I found this in my own life. When I start my day asking that God would open doors and give me divine appointments, an appointment from God for God, I'm more apt to see them. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you. Psalm 37 verse 23 says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. What, what do you mean good man? Uh, a person who's in right standing with God. A righteous man. A person who is, is who, on the inside of God's grace. Someone whose heart is devoted to him. And he says, those of you that's heart are set, your hearts are set on doing the good of the Lord. Here's what you have to know is that your steps are ordered by God. You may think you're wiring up your schedule and laying out your, your, your appointments or your daily routine, but if you are a follower of God, what he's doing is he's directing your steps because he has fish he wants you to catch. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So you may be thinking, I'm just putting down on the thing. Go to the grocery store. Uh, go get my hair done. Uh, go get the oil changed. Uh, stop by the bank. Uh, go get some gasoline. I mean, you're just kind of laying it out. But what you don't know is if you're a follower of Jesus, even as you plan your day, he's ordering your steps. 
And God has a way of setting up these intersections of life, these divine assignments, these appointments from heaven to where it's more than just a brief interaction with someone, but it's something to where God, it's just like, you know how those fish, this is what they tell me, I'm not too much of a fisherman, but they have a guy or they can locate, and so it sends them to where the fish are. I apparently never had that apparently in my experience. I was 100% successful in finding where they were never in the lake. But you know when you're following Jesus, you just think you're just going through your day. You're not just going through your day. You're on assignment from God, and he is surrounding you with opportunities to tell people about Jesus. Just watch for them. So I've been, I've been trying to do that. You know, I try and just, Lord, open up doors for me to, to share your love with somebody. So just yesterday, I was at a rental car place, and, and while I was there, I was like, maybe God wants me to, to share uh, Christ with this guy. So, you know, we're just striking up conversation, and I'm like, man, so how long have you been working here? So, oh, I've been working here for such and such. I was like, cool, is, is this where you think that you'll, you'll spend, like, the bulk of your career? You want to grow through this, or are you going to move on to something else at some point? What's in your heart? And he said, oh, I want to go on and get my master's degree, and then I want to be a business administrator. And then I just took it from right there, and I started saying, man, whatever you decide to do, God has a plan for your life. I just challenge you, man, whatever it is, make Jesus the center of it, and you'll have fun. Without him, it's not going to be nearly as fun. And, and you know what? In that moment, he fell down to his knees, and he started weeping, and he said, what must I do to be saved? No, he didn't do that. That would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. But instead, all he said was, do you want our insurance, or are you going to use your own? <laughs> no, it was a great conversation. He was kind and he responded. It was great. But what I got thinking about is, while he didn't fall down on his knees and say, I need Jesus, what I wondered is how much God's talking to him, even while I was gone with the seed that was planted in his heart, just because I took advantage of an opportunity. I mean, he's got to think, be thinking about customer service. He can't get ticked off at me. He can't run off and leave. And I don't need to be obnoxious by can tell him about Jesus. You know, every time you go out to a restaurant and there's a chance to, to leave a tip, you can just know that that's a divine appointment. Now listen, people, church, don't you be leaving some lousy, nasty, little skimpy tip, all right, and then be talking about laying up treasures in heaven. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. Tell some server, your reward's with the Lord. No, you show me the money is what they're saying. So go ahead and put it down right there on that table. But how many of you know that if you go to the same restaurant over and over and you're tipping generously, how many guys know that when you walk in, servers are going to be fighting over you going, they're from people's church. Come to my table. Come on over here to my section. Why? Because people's church is known for being generous. And, and that's the way it ought to be. And listen, Proverbs says that the gift makes way for the giver. In other words, when you're generous and when you're giving to someone, you've built a bridge to their heart. Anytime there's a chance for you to leave a tip, there's a chance for you to talk about Jesus. The other day I had a chance to, to give a guy a tip, and I'd been praying, Lord, give me an opportunity. I thought, oh, I'm about to have to tip this guy. So I thought, okay, I'm going to tip him, and I'm going to tell him about Jesus. And then I pulled out my wallet, and all I had was a 20. So I said, well, Lord, you got this one. You know, you're going to have to. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. 
But I did start looking to break change, though. I was like, hey, he'll listen with a 10 just like he will with a 20. Where can I? <laughs> That's real right there. I needed a 10. I looked around. I was like, man, there's nowhere. But I prayed for an opportunity. All I got is a 20. And I thought, Lord, I determined this must be your plan. And this brother must need, he must need a 20 to listen. And how inexpensive is that to be able to tell somebody about Jesus? Because, man, when I pulled out that 20 and I started handing it to him, he looked down at it. I thought, man, it's time for church now. I can tell he's leaning in. Because the gift makes way for the giver. I mean, there in that moment, he'd been like, man, you tell me about Buddha, Muhammad, I, whoever you want to, man, just preach. I told him about Jesus. I said, man, I'm blessed. God's been good to me. And I wanted to bless you. God wants to bless you. And you know the way that your life can be blessed is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you're handing somebody a 20, they're not even saved, and they'll shout you down. They're like, yes, Lord. Yeah, I mean, they'll be like, yes. A gift makes way for the giver. Paul said, be smart. Be wise about this. Make the most of, say it with me, every opportunity. Don't miss an opportunity. Live for them. Let me give you this third and this final thing. Then we're going to wrap up. He says, you need to be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And then he says, I love this. Look at this. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I love the picture, you know, sometimes Paul uses sports analogies. You know, talk about running a race. Sometimes he'll use agricultural analogies. A farmer planting seeds or sowing seeds or watering. But this one, he just goes straight for the cooking show. That's what he does on this one. And he says, let your conversation be full of grace and then season with a little bit of salt. I love the imagery. Full of grace. Because it's as if Paul is saying, hey, when you go to talk to them, be nice. Because some people, Christians, be like, I just, I'm a straight shooter. I just call it like it is. I just tell them what's up. I just tell them you need Jesus. You need to quit acting like a fool. I just tell them, are you crazy? Hey, you need God. You know, it's like, hey, points for honesty, but you just need to be nice. You know, you just need to be sweet. Paul's like, you need to use a little salt. You just need to be seasoned up here just a little bit. Don't be mean in Jesus' name. Be nice. Right? You ever met just a Christian who was just, instead of seasoned salt, they, they're like full of lemon. You know, you want Jesus? You're like, no, uh-uh, I don't. Not if it looks anything like that. I don't want... Paul says, full of grace. How many of you would say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I can see. Anybody, that's your story? That's my story. I look back and I say, amazing grace to me is such a sweet sound. Why? Because he saved me. Why can we go from being so uh, recipients of grace to now we're coming with like judgmental spirit? 
You need to stop all that craziness. You're in that goofy relationship. You know, you're going from dumb relationship to another dumb. You need Jesus as if they're going to go, you know what? You're right. I am a loser. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, come think of it. I am a moron. I didn't think I was, but I think you're on to something. Yeah, I'm crazy. You're not going to lead anybody to Jesus like that. Full of grace. Gracious. They're outside of the faith or the love or the hope of Jesus. And so he's saying, be smart. Use this opportunity. Full of grace. Come to him and say, bro, I can relate. I know what it's like to blow it, man. Somebody, we all have friends. They made some decision. They did something. And they realized this was a bad move. They don't need you coming along talking about, I'm Christian so-and-so who told you, I said so. I told you a bit. I warned you. You made your bed. Yeah, they used to come along like, hey, man, if I had a nickel for every dumb move that I had ever made, I'm with you, bro. We're all messed up. We all missed the mark. But here, here's what I found is that when I run to God instead of front, from God, his grace is more than enough. As a matter of fact, I found this. Where my sin increased, God's grace increased all the more. Full of grace, seasoned with salt. Don't be mean. Don't be harsh. I think that Paul, he, he may have even written it in. Maybe it's in the Greek. And they just, I think he also, also said, and don't be weird. How many guys know we got enough weird Christians? We don't need any more weird Christians. We, we've met our quota. And then some. We don't need any more. No longer taking applicants for weird Christians. Don't be weird. Full of grace, seasoned with salt. In other words, let's not be bumper sticker. Christians, get right and get left. Turn or burn. You know, you're like, what do you want me to do with that, man? I don't even know. But you know what they know to do with? When you meet them at their point of need, that's seasoned with salt. When somebody's hurting and you tell them that Jesus is the healer. And somebody's lonely and you tell them that he's the friend who sits closer than a brother. When somebody's feeling convicted and broken, and you tell them he's the one who can wash them and make them white as snow. When someone is bound by addiction, you tell them that he that, sun, that the sun sets free can be free indeed. When someone is hopeless, you tell them that he's the God of all hope. When someone is grieving, they're going through loss, meet them right where they are and say he's the God of all comforts. When someone is scared, Tell them that he's the one who will never leave them nor forsake them. Tell them that he's the one who can speak to the winds and the waves. Peace be still and the storm will stop. Meet them where they are, full of grace, seasoned with salt. Give them Jesus. Come on, you're called for this. You were born for this. This is your purpose. This is God's plan. Tell them about Jesus. That's why we do Easterland. I think it's why we do Easter. Sometimes we get off track. We think Easter is simply or solely or only to celebrate what Jesus did back 2,000 years ago. I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for the empty grave. I'm thankful that Jesus' resurrection power lives in me. But listen, we can celebrate with him forever in heaven. 
But did you know that every Easter Sunday is the biggest Sunday of the entire year where people are more apt to go to church than any other Sunday? And I just think that Jesus is looking down going, I'm okay if you get dressed up. I'm okay if you buy a new hat. As a matter of fact, heaven, we talked about it. We loved your hat last year. You know, it's okay if you take a family picture. Everybody get together. We do that every year, Easter picture. We get all together. I think he's okay with the, with the Easter picture. But I think what he's really wanting is when you show up for Easter, don't come alone. You're a fisher of men. The reason we do Easterland is so you can meet a family right where they are and say, hey, we're going to be doing stuff that's all for the kids. They're going to have so much fun. All of these games, all of this fun stuff. And you tell them all about Easterland. Why? Make the most of every opportunity. Bring somebody to Jesus. Be praying for those open doors. Watch for those open doors. It may cost you a little something. Step through that door. Tell them about Jesus.